Welcome to the Clear the Shelf podcast with Chris and Chris, the show that meets at the intersection of education and entertainment to discuss online arbitrage, retail arbitrage, wholesale, and all facets of selling on Amazon. We'll bring you news, tactics, strategies, insights, stories, and interviews to help you grow your Amazon business. And now, here are your hosts, Chris Grant and Chris Rasick. What is going on, everybody? And welcome to this week's episode of Clear the Shelf with Chris and Chris. I hope you guys enjoyed the last episode and we are back. This one is called uh, Take Action or maybe the other title is Done is Better Than Perfect. Uh, Chris, it's good to see you again. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with me again. How uh, How's your week been? The week's good. I, I'm happy to... Uh... Happy to be back. You invited me back. You told me where it was going to be. So uh, that's always a good sign. Um, we're releasing this beginning of the month, uh, which is a little bit bittersweet. Um, you know, it, we get the same effect with Amazon business. And uh, it's almost like sales jobs, too, which which are heavy on commission. Uh, the first of every month, you always start over at zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you had a good month, uh, it's not necessarily a, a happy time. Uh, if you're having a bad month, uh, you know, the fresh start is, is welcome. So, but I uh, had a great month last month, so I was a little bit sad to see it go. But, uh, you know, this topic, uh, you know, just keep going and, and take action. You know, you got to get right back on it. Yeah. Uh, first I, of the month. So I think, I think this one's going to be kind of a fun episode. I guess, I guess not only because I think it's something that a lot of other people have issues with, but I think that both of us have been fairly honest with, at least with each other, maybe not anybody else, uh, that, you know, this kind of hits, this hits close to home, you know? Uh, so I think it's going to be a a fun episode. Now I do have to take a little aside first. You've got a, uh, you've got a wonderful golden glow under those wavy locks of yours. Uh, so (laughs) what's, uh, what's been going on? Well, uh, between episodes, uh, my wife and I celebrated our, our 10 year anniversary. Oh, that's a awesome. happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. She, so, you know, the reward for putting up with me for 10 years, the, <laughs> the absolute least I could do uh, was take her down to the beaches uh, at a, a nice resort. Uh, we left your old state of Ohio and went to your new state uh, and, and hung out on the beaches there, um, which is relevant to this podcast because the, the whole trip was largely funded by rewards on my credit cards my business cards, you know, simply from buying inventory and just kind of churning, uh, churning points. I had enough to to fly us down there and, and stay uh, a few nights at a resort right on the beach. Um, the, uh, (laughs) you know, my younger years, I used to, I used to tan like a golden God. Right. And, uh, I'm in my mid forties. So we, uh, the respect we had for the sun back then was, was not quite as strong (laughs) as, uh, (laughs) that's the uh popular opinion now um so you know we would we'd get pretty crispy back in the day so um i thought i had a plan i i swore i was being smart about it um however uh once i got down there it only took a few hours before that florida sun uh flexed its muscles and burnt me to a crisp my forehead I, i don't think i upgraded to the quite the HD camera that that would show the the leathery texture of my forehead but uh, uh which is a good thing you know but uh yeah I I fried down there like 
it's almost like I've been sitting at a computer for the last two and a half years or so uh, and, and not going outside, uh, which, of course, that's exactly what I've been doing. So, <laughs> um, so, so if you're wondering, you know, if you're in that situation where you used to be able to tan, uh, but now you're a little bit pasty, you know, working from home, uh, lean towards preventative measures uh, um, on the side of the pastiness. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, you know, most of the time, the only sun that I get is, is from the, the light that I have here in my office. Uh, but when I do go outside, I got to make sure there's a little bit of zinc, zinc, uh, oxide on this, uh, pasty face. Otherwise, uh, I'm in for a world of hurt and the sun down here. I don't know. It, it hits different. Uh, it's, it's odd. I never got burned like that, you know, spending my summers by the pool in Ohio. Uh, and as soon as I came down here, Florida was like, you know, you, you need to wise up really quick. <laughs> and, and you brought something up that I think we're going to end up having to do a whole episode about. Uh, and I don't want to take I don't want to take up too much of, the, of this episode with it. But the points being able to use the points that you create on your credit cards from this business or you know, whatever business you might be in, you can do the same thing, maybe not quite at the scale that those with an inventory based business can do just because of how quickly you turn over inventory and are able to pay down cards and use them over and over again. Uh, but it's a, it's a powerful thing. My wife, act, my wife and I actually sat down earlier today and we laid all the credit cards out on the table. Uh, and we were like, okay, you know, which ones do we need to start using a little bit more and, and which ones should we hold off on because th these points aren't as good as these points uh, and we came up with a, I think, should be a pretty good plan. Our goal is to be able to maybe go to Europe in a year or two years and use most of it on points because uh, I don't want to be in the in the cattle car section uh, flying <laughs> over the pond to uh, to Europe. Um, but uh, but I think that's huge and and it's talked about, but maybe not necessarily talked about uh, as in depth as it should be because. It can be powerful whether you want to, you know, get cash back to increase the uh, the margins in your business, or if you want to take some absolutely sick vacations. There's a guy by the name of Amit Desai. Uh, he's a good follow on Facebook or or wherever he might be. Uh, he takes his family on first class trips all over the world three four times a year, and it's all on credit card points. He, hardly ever pays for anything. Uh, I want to say I saw a picture of him recently flying United Arab Emirates, which their first class, is, I mean, that's first class. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But we may have to get someone on here a little bit smarter than us with with credit card points to kind of uh, teach us the ways. Yeah, there, there are multiple layers to it. You know, you can, you can stack it. Um, yeah, it'd be worth talking about. We'll have to pencil that in. Uh, yeah. And when we do, remind me to, I just read about a, a new airline with uh, super cheap flights uh, between the U.S. and Europe. Mm. Uh, they fly through Iceland. Interesting. Uh, but, like, we're talking one ninety nine one way. Uh, and, and, and they don't make you, like, hold on to a wing or anything? They do not. They, uh, In fact, they're, they're very uh, uh, forthcoming, you know, real honest about the fact that Ultimately, you don't want to be on an airline. You know the mm -hmm. the, the marketing that that shows luxury and enjoying the flight is is you know a bit much. 
you know, nobody really wants to be on the flight. So, but you know, they're supposed to have plenty of leg room and, and I forget what the other measurements they, they had for uh, the space that each passenger has, but uh, yeah, it was supposed to be fair. You know, they said, hmm. yeah, we're cheap and, you know, we'll try to keep you comfortable and that's about it. Interesting. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to read, read more about their story. All right. Well, let's, let's stop procrastinating and let's go ahead and dive into tonight's topic, which is all about procrastinating, taking action. Uh, and <clears throat> I know that you, when we kind of put the notes together for this, Chris put out there that, you know, maybe this sounds like a topic that is really for novices and beginners. Um, I, and I think he agrees with me, but I, I don't think so. I think that, I think that not taking action or procrastinating for reason, whatever the, the list can be very, very long, uh, happens to everybody at every stage of their business. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons why, uh, you know, we'll discuss some of those tonight. I, I found one that I was actually reading, uh, someone's master's thesis from Wharton business school. And it was about, uh, reasons that entrepreneur, entrepreneur, excuse me, entrepreneurs procrastinate. Uh, and it was titled entrepreneurial procrastination, which is a mouthful, uh, <laughs> And there were some really interesting insights that this person came away with. And one of them, I think that a lot of people may not realize that maybe a fear that's in their head. Uh, and, and we'll, we'll get to that. So, uh, I know that I still procrastinate and oftentimes for me, it is, it, it's one of many things. One, it can be, it can still be fear of failure. Uh, I don't think that that ever goes away. Uh, and it, it can also be maybe you have too many options on the table, which happens on occasion. Uh, and there's there's also analysis paralysis, which I think we could dive deep on. Um, I guess, Chris, I want to get your thoughts. What are what are some things that uh, have made you procrastinate, not take action, maybe not get started or take longer to get started than than you thought was really necessary? I think for me, mostly it's a combination of the fear of failure. Mm -hmm. um, however, that on the other side of that is the comfort zone that I'm in. You know, it's to start something new and actually, you know, whether you're expanding on an existing business or jumping into a new business, um, you, you definitely have to go out of your comfort zone. It's, it's new territory. It's unfamiliar territory. Uh, and that can be a bit scary. Um, mm -hmm. I know the trick that I do, um, and I'm actually very good at fooling myself uh, doing this, <laughs> is uh, uh, I will research. Um, I will over-research something, you know, and, and I will constantly look up articles and maybe just one more article will make me feel comfortable. You're looking for this this moving target of comfort that doesn't exist, you know, and, and at some point in time, you need to stop just stop and say, let me just jump in. You know, it, it's, I, it's so much. And then once you do finally jump in, of course, it's, you're sitting there saying, why did it take me so long? But uh, that's one thing I do is, is I over research uh, mm -hmm. and I watch, you know, just one more video, one more book, one more article. Um, and, and it's all looking for more comfort, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, I, I fear uh, of going out of my comfort zone, starting a new project. 
before we get into the the fear of failure, I want to talk about that comfort zone a, a little bit. And I, I think you may have, have put some notes together in our doc about it, but uh, I know that you and I both love James Altucher, incredible author, uh, great podcast, actually, uh, and just a, an interesting guy. Actually, probably probably one of the probably one of the five people I'd really love to like have dinner with. One of the five living people I'd, I'd love to have dinner with. Uh, I think he's I think he's weird, but just on this side of weird to be really fascinating and not like uh, scary, you know. Yeah, and make it uh, an eight course meal because who knows the the exactly. amount of topics that he's going to cover. Oh yeah, uh, and his his whole thing in the book Skip the Line about you know being comfortable with not knowing I think is is incredibly important. Uh, and I've seen this. I've seen this with people who come through, you know, our course. I've seen this with, you know, people I answer questions for in Facebook groups. Like, people want they want some. I don't know. I guess they want some solid, concrete answers. They want to know, like, okay, if I do step A, then outcome A is going to happen. If I do step B, outcome B is going to happen. And unfortunately, businesses is kind of like life, you know, in life, we never know when we're going to get hit by a bus. And in business, it's the same thing. We never know when we're going to get hit by the business bus. Uh, it can just happen. Uh, but if we can, I don't know, trick ourselves to be like, you know what? Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm still going to get behind the wheel. Uh, I think it, I think you're, you're going to be a lot farther ahead. Um, yeah. And you know what? Throw it back to the quote that we shared last week on last week's episode from James Clear, you know, about mm -hmm. being flexible enough in the process, you know, to still achieve your goal. Yeah. You know, that, that's essentially the same thing is, is you don't know when you're going to get hit by the, the bus in, in business sense. But if you're flexible, you know, if you know, you know, that you can adapt or you're willing to adapt and you know, there are going to be roadblocks thrown at you you just pivot and move on, you know, and keep going in that, that direction that you're looking for. Absolutely. You know, the, the other thing about, uh, the comfort zone is, so I, mean, I worked, I worked in a, in a business where I had a fairly stable income. Yes. It was commission from the time I was 18 until I was about 30 years old or so before I, you know, completely quit. Uh, but it was fairly consistent because I'd built it up over time. And I know that people with a nine to five, like that, that comfort must be really, really nice. I've never had like a regular nine to five with a, you know, this is what you get paid every two weeks. So I don't know that level of comfort, uh, but I, I almost can't imagine going from that level of comfort to, you know what, I'm going to start this side hustle and in, in six months or a year or two years down the road, like this is going to be my thing. It's not going to be, you know, some soul sucking corporate job. I know not everyone is a soul sucking corporate job, but that's how I see it in my nightmares. Um, and so I, I worry that that is maybe a big part of it for people who are used to that. They're, they're used to that comfort blanket of a paycheck, which is fine. But if that's not what you want, I think that You've got to do something to move past that. And I was listening to, um, I was listening to a guy by the name of Alex Hormozzi recently, 
and he brought up yeah he's awesome uh he brought up a point that i think is is really powerful uh when you think about comfort zones and a lot of people who get into amazon or any other kind of online business or you know make money from home business uh it seems like a lot of people are looking for that shortcut uh, to get out of their, you know, their corporate job and into being self-employed or, or an actual business owner. And they're like, you know what, in six months, I better be there or this is a scam or this doesn't work. And he was explaining that we really need to start thinking about decades, not days. Because the longer we can envision ourselves doing the work, doing the, you know, embracing the suck and putting in the labor and things like that, uh, the more likely we are to be successful. Uh, because no business, no real business is going to make you a millionaire in four, six months, a year. You know, it's something you've really got to put in the time for. And so I think that if we could get people to come into Amazon or whatever business and start thinking about it a little bit differently, uh, think about it like you want to be Coca-Cola you don't want to be, I don't know, I'm trying to think of, of a startup that, you know, oh, you don't want to be, um, oh, well, that one lady who had the the testing business. Uh, oh, Thera, Theranos? Theranos, yeah. You don't want to be Theranos. You want to be Coca-Cola. You want to be in this for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years uh, and think on those kind of timelines. Because if you can... If you can continue to do the work that long, as long as you're doing it well, you should be successful because the roadmap is there, uh, not only in the Amazon business, but in most businesses, uh, the roadmap is there for success. So, yeah, you know, and, and there's there's two sides to that coin of, you know, the security of the nine to five versus you know a job like commission because i actually weaved in and out of both of those a couple times you mm -hmm. know i spent 10 years as a, a loan officer and that was commission only 100 percent commission and basically if i wasn't closed alone i wasn't eating um, and and not that i wasn't that great of a loan officer but uh, i didn't quite have the same drive back then as i did now as i do now but um so the 10 years, the, towards the end of that 10 year period where I was a loan officer, the foreclosure crisis hit. Oh, so, yeah. and that was a scenario where the loans were going bad all over the place, you know, default rates were skyrocketing. So what happened at that time was that underwriting guidelines got tighter. So now less of the loans that came across your desk or came across your phone lines were getting approved. You know, so it created a scenario where I was working three and four times as hard just to make the same money. Um, and, and you'll resent that. You'll start to resent that real quick. Um, mm -hmm. So I moved from the commission job to a W-2 regular wage job and uh, spent quite a, quite a long time doing that. Um, and it, sure, at first, the security of the regular paycheck was great. But I don't know if it's my entrepreneurial spirit or whatnot, but there, you know, the original draw with the loan officer job and the same thing with Amazon, um, you know, 10, 15 years later was the potential for unlimited income. You know, mm -hmm. you can grow this as big as you want to. And with same thing with the loan officer job or any commission job, you know, your income truly is unlimited, you know? So 
that's the two sides of the coin. You know, maybe one side is is a little more tempting for the dreamers and and you know people who people who see great things in their future or want great things. Um, and then there are people who just you know just want to be worker bee and cash their check and and be safe and secure. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't no. I don't want anyone to. I don't want anyone to get the idea that, you know, we're looking down our noses at, at those folks because mm -hmm. that's just, that's what some people need and that's okay. Sure. Um, it's just not for everybody. Now let's talk a little bit about the fear of failure. Uh, I know that, I know that this is actually something that I, I still struggle with. Uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're launching a new podcast and before we got started doing this, I, I still have like, are we totally going to bomb on this? People are going to absolutely hate it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but I had to overcome that, uh, you know, to say yes to doing this and had to overcome the fear of failure in, you know, becoming an insurance agent and deciding to do Amazon and deciding to, you know, put content out on, on the internet for strangers to see or my family to see. And the fear of failure, the, <clears throat> The power behind that is so strong. Uh, I know, and this this isn't for everybody, but I think this is for a lot of people is there are there are a lot of folks who might be rooting for you to fail, and even folks in your own family. You know, you go you go to Thanksgiving dinner, and you know Uncle Johnny would be like, "Hey, you still uh, you still doing that internet thing?" And they'd love, you know, Uncle Johnny would love. Uh, after three or four beers to make fun of you for having to quit that internet thingamajig that you were doing, uh, you know, and, and failing at it. And of course, your friends might feel the same way too. Uh, you know, they might, they might be happy that you failed because, oh, well, now your weekends are back and you can, you know, you can come and, you know, hit a round of golf balls or you can, you know, hit the bar on a Friday night instead of staying at home and working. Uh, you know, so the social pressure is there for the, for you to fail. And then it also, it, I mean, it's a blow to your ego. If you do fail, um, sure. you know, I, I have, you know, I have just straight up failed at things. There have been things that I've tried to do that just did not work out and you got to close the box on that and let it go uh, and move on to the next thing. And I guess, I don't know. That fear is there for me, but not as strongly as I've seen it in other people. I, I tend to get over failure pretty quickly. And maybe that's just because I, I love history. Uh, and I've, you know, and maybe it's kind of uh, the fact, I don't know, it's sort of woven into the fabric of America that, okay, well, if you, if you fail, you get to start over. That's kind of what we do here. It's kind of like, it's kind of why bankruptcy was invented is, Okay, well, you file bankruptcy and you get to start over again. Uh, and if you look back through history at people like uh, Nikola Tesla and Thomas Edison and Henry Ford and the Wright brothers uh, and so on and so forth, you see that they, in spite of their tens or hundreds of failures, they kept going. And finally, we had the light bulb moment and, you know, and we had the phonograph moment and we had you know, the telephone and, and all of those things uh, that had those guys allowed the fear of failure to overtake them, we would not have, or at least we would not have had as quickly as we did. Um, 
So I guess my question for you is how did you overcome your fear of failure, your fear of, you know, going to the Thanksgiving table and having to tell uncle Johnny that, you know, you did quit your internet thingamajig. I really, I had, I was fed up. It was a combination of, of the research that I had done. Yeah, I started doing a part-time, um, which I think is a good method for, for certain people if they're a little bit worried about going all in, um, at least because they, it seems like with any venture, there's a certain set of mistakes that you're simply going to make and you have mm -hmm. to get through. And they're mistakes that you're only going to make once. Um, and, and maybe the set of mistakes is different for, for each person. But yeah, you just got to get your reps in. And, and once you get a certain amount of reps, it becomes like second nature, you know, and, and I don't I didn't even realize it until I started training people to help me. And I didn't realize how often I was saying something that I thought was second nature, but turned out to be Greek to somebody I was training. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and what it does. And, and I know I, I, I was talking to a, a family member of mine and just chatting normally. And at one point in time, the, the conversation stopped and, and she said, wow, you, you've really done a lot of research on this. <laughs> And I wasn't saying anything to display knowledge. You know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to sound smart. I, I was just talking. And, uh, and I said, well, yeah, I, I guess I have. Um, you know, so, so I had a little bit of uh, experience, you know, doing it part time. Um, because there, there's, you know, you're minimizing the risk. You're only buying a little bit of inventory, you know, but I can kind of get the feel for things. Uh, but it wasn't it didn't take long before the, the combination of my excitement for this uh, coupled with my frustrations with my, you know, the, the soul sucking job that I did have. And, and my job was sucking my soul um, <laughs> <laughs> to just make the plunge. And, and, you know, it was just wanting to finally get started, uh, take my time back. It, that was a real big thing. I know I, early years ago when we first started talking, that was what I was all about. Um, I, I took Tim Ferriss's book a little bit uh, too close to my heart. You know, the four That's hour easy to we, do. <laughs> it is. When, it, when we finally get Chris Anderson on, uh, I'm going to ask him about, he said, Tim Ferriss ruined the world uh, with that <laughs> book. And so I, we definitely need to talk to him about that. But, uh, it, you know, I was, I think I was part of uh, uh, the sentiment that they talk about with the great resignation. You know, it mm -hmm. was, you know, there's a, a the period of time that we went through with, with the pandemic and, and everyone, massive amounts of people being forced to work from home. Um, it, it was a lot of time for personal reflection. Uh, and, and as I thought about it, um, my time became worth more the more I, I thought about it and, and you know, how, how little time we have and, and um Plus working for yourself, doing something a little more meaningful, you know, it, mm -hmm. it, you can work corporate jobs and not get recognized for things, or you can, you can work a corporate job for a long time and things start to change and the values of the company change maybe as they grow. Uh, and it doesn't take too much for, for, you know, a, a growing corporation to uh, kind of eliminate any sense of family and, and caring for their employees and it feels like they're moving towards worrying about the, the bottom line a little bit too much, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that was kind of the situation that I was in. So it was, 
you know, both meters were, were going um, in, the, in the same direction, pushing me towards wanting something more. Um, and, and this was, you know, the first, I did, well, we still talk about it, you know, I, I, essentially every day is Saturday for me. Yep. <laughs> you know, I just, I wake up, you know, whenever I want, I, I think I've set an alarm maybe, uh, you know, half a dozen times uh, since I went full time. And, and, you know, at first it was all about taking back my time. You know, and that's uh, that's it's only part of the equation. You know, there certainly needs to be processes and, and whatnot. But um, it, it was really a, a, a personal, personal thing, and, and just my desire for for more, more of my own time back, and and something more out of what I do as a profession. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, one of the funny, the only reason I set an alarm is to make sure I'm up to take my son to school. Uh, if it, if it weren't <laughs> for that, I would I would never set an alarm. Uh, and See, that I, was, I was. I tried to do that, but my daughter insists on her mom taking her. So I said, oh. well, if I have to sleep till 10 every day, I, I, you know, I, I guess this is my life. It's, it, I mean, if someone has to bear that cross, I'm glad it's you. You've got <laughs> shoulders. Uh, you know, here's one of the reasons why I really like Amazon. You know, and and I, I don't want to talk everybody into selling on Amazon. I know it's not for everybody. Yeah, but it really is. And we touched on this a little bit last week. Amazon is one of those places where you can overcome the fear of failure in small steps. You can take small bets. You know, if I would never suggest this, but if you wanted to start selling on Amazon with $5, you could do it. You know, you could buy a five, you could buy five $1 products from Dollar Tree. Well, I guess it would be like, 575 or something like that now because i don't think it's dollar tree anymore it's like dollar 25 tree uh you know but you could or you could buy one single five dollar item and you can see does the model actually work you know we don't you don't have to go full bore into this uh and and i, I don't know i guess i think that may be one way that people can overcome their fear of failure is just taking these very, very small bets. If you've got $5, give it a shot. If you've got $500 and you can lose that, give that a shot. Uh, and then as you prove out the model, I think that your fear, that fear meter will come down a little bit. Now, yeah, it gives you the reassurances. Um, there yeah. was actually a, a, a really cool experiment done. Um, Ryan Grant, uh, no relation. To you, mm, right? No relation. <laughs> he runs an online selling experiment, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. um, he had a great series of blog posts where he took someone that worked worked for him, but not it wasn't through. He wasn't doing the actual Amazon business, so he, he wasn't well versed in in buying and selling and whatnot. So he took him and and he ran a blog series of blog posts where this person had to start with zero dollars. And they had to find five things in their own home to sell on eBay or Facebook Marketplace. And the, the whole blog post, I think it was uh, $1,000 profit in 30 days or something okay. like that, but starting at zero. And I kind of followed along when I was doing the, uh, that's one of the things that I tried. I took a, an old cell phone. I sold it for $90 on Facebook Marketplace and parlayed that into other products, which is essentially what this blog post, what you followed this, this person doing. Um, so yeah, you could, you could literally start with zero if you wanted. Absolutely. To. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, back when Amazon was still kind of the wild, wild west, that is what people would tell you to do. 
you know, go, go scan the things that are in your cupboards, go look for, but, and I would still say if you have a bookshelf like myself or Chris does, uh, look and see what might actually sell for a good bit of money. Uh, there are books out there that sell for a lot of money. Uh, I saw one today that sells for $700 uh, on Amazon and people actually buy it. Uh, so there are those diamonds in the rough out there. Um, sure. You know, but I knew people who literally pulled groceries out of their pantry and would sell them on Amazon. They were not expired. They were just fine. Uh, you know, and that's how they got started on Amazon. Uh, so there's just, it's, I don't know. It's one of the reasons why I was so drawn to this, you know, because if I wanted to go and maybe start my own, if I wanted to go start my own agency or if I wanted to, uh, you know, start some sort of service business, the outlay to get started is much, much higher than what it would be on Amazon. Now, I want to flip this on its head a little bit. We've talked about fear of failure. I actually want to talk about fear of success a little bit. And this was actually, this was in that thesis I was reading. And I've thought about this in the past, but this guy made some, some really good points. Some people will actually not get started because they do fear what may happen if they become successful. Uh, it, can be a, it can be quite a responsibility. Uh, you know, there's, <clears throat> there's several things. There are going to be people who rely on you. Uh, and you know, for me, that is the, the most important people that rely on me is my family. My family relies on me for food and clothing and shelter. Uh, and that comes from the work that we do. Uh, you know, but we've also got people who work for us. We have uh, we have one employee. We're going to we're going to have a, an in-person intern this summer. Uh, and those people rely on that money. So if I were to get smacked by that proverbial business bust, uh, it would not just be my family who's hurting, who would hurt a little bit less when they get the life insurance settlement, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's also those other people uh, and, and they are relying on that money. And then if you want to take it out a step further, their families are relying on them to make that money. Uh, and so there's this whole trickle down effect of, a little bit or a lot of success where you need to bear the responsibility of being responsible for, you know, all these people or, uh, you know, or things that you do. And so I don't know if that's as big of a fear of people when they want to get started in any business, but I think that, uh, you know, that's certainly something that may nag a few people or always be in the back of their mind. You know, can I handle a business that is producing a legitimate amount of income? Uh, and, you know, can I plan for the, can I, can I have contingency plans in place if something goes wrong? Uh, has that, has that ever crossed your mind or, or, you know, what have you thought about that? Absolutely. I, I think about it all the time. Uh, you know, there's a, a relentlessness to this type of business. Um, and, and it goes back to what we mentioned when we started the episode is you start back at zero the first of every month, you know, and, and there's no there's really no place to hide that. I think that's the key, you know, is, is with a corporate job, you can you can maybe, you know, stretch something out 
longer than it needs to be and and take your time and and you know uh read a couple articles and, and i recently read about um parkinson's law um just in the last week or so and uh basically parkinson's law says work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion okay and what and basically an example of that would be if you give yourself four hours to source x dollars say source a thousand dollars worth of inventory it's going to take four hours mm-hmm. yeah and this is um very prevalent in the corporate world and it used to drive me nuts when i managed uh, the bank I, I was with the bank for 10 years and, and i managed a department of about 20 people and if you ask them every single one of them would tell you that they are working at 100 percent capacity of course there <laughs> there was no possible way that they could take on any new projects and a couple of them were, you know, they were being truthful about it because they were they were solid workers. But the vast majority of them were simply uh, it was Parkinson's law. You know, they knew they had all day to do X number of things. So they made it take all day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have that luxury when you're running your own Amazon business because everything is your responsibility, essentially, unless you mm-hmm you're big enough to have a team or whatnot, but you know, essentially it, it comes down to you wearing every single hat. So that ties into the take action. You know, it's the way you combat being inefficient due to Parkinson's law or, or, or something like, or simply not being structured with your time and, and, you know, having poor time management, you know, you always wish that you were the person that no matter what, jumped on the project, got it done immediately, and then had time to either move to the next project or goof around or, you know, whatever it was, and depending on the setting that you're in. So, you know, getting over Parkinson's law and, and not not taking all the time and, and, and working as, efficient, as efficiently as you can is important, especially in this business, because you're, you've, you've got so many plates spinning and, and you have to you have to be careful with your time, you know, because it's easy to let it slip away. You know, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, somebody was an Amazon seller and uh, they said they uh, they kind of let it go. You know, there, there's a feed the beast. You know, a lot of people use that phrase with Amazon. And, and it's mm-hmm. true. You constantly have to have more things uh, in the pipeline. You have to have it. You have to constantly be feeding uh the inventory in there because it's it's too easy to let it slip away if you you know you slack off for a little bit of time the problem is there's a multiple to that you know it usually takes even longer to get it back on track mm-hmm. you know I, i'm experiencing myself personally my my ebay uh i just lost my top rated seller status because i dropped under whatever the threshold is over a 12 month period because i just just got away from it you know mm-hmm. but but when we were in the mastermind and we, you know, I had accountability partners, I always made eBay, you know, like I want to get X number of listings posted within, by the time we meet next week, um, my eBay business was running a lot better. Yeah. So it's, you, you have to take responsibility and you kind of have to, to be at least work on and, and be conscious of your time management. Absolutely. I think I can't remember where I read this. I, I would love to say it's a novel idea, but I know I'm, I'm ripping this off from somebody much smarter than me. But there are ways to kind of hack Parkinson's law in and use it in your favor. Uh, you know, you, you said if you block out four hours for a project, 
uh, it's going to, it's going to fill up four hours. Uh, and so I guess one of the things you really need to do is you need to be like, you know what, this is going to take me a much shorter period of time. And I'll always put yourself under deadlines, uh, self-imposed deadlines. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the, I'd say one of the fascinating things that I've seen recently, uh, yeah, I can't sleep at night and I'm, I'm scrolling through TikTok, and I will see, uh, people live studying or working and you know, it's, you can see their computer screen. I mean, it's not like anybody could do anything. It's not like I could you know, run up and smack the guy in the back of the head or anything like that if he gets off task. But just the fact that he knows that there are people or could be people watching uh, him study or work or her study or work, uh, it keeps you much more focused. And so then I started going and, and looking around and there are actually services where you can pay to become part of a kind of a co-working cohort where everybody's online and for an hour or two hours, they do, they'll do the Pomodoro technique. So what is that? 25 minutes on and five minutes off is usually what that, that is, I think. Uh, and so, you know, there will be someone who sits there kind of like a, an exam proctor and says, all right, timer starts now. You work for 25 minutes straight, no looking up from your paper, uh, you know, pencils in hand, and you're putting in some deep work. And then when the timer goes off, you get a five-minute reprieve, and then you're back at it again. Uh, and I was very surprised. They have several hundred or maybe even close to a 1,000 people who pay them a couple hundred dollars a month to keep them on task. And... <laughs> their target audience is, you know, the, the tech bro, the, the laptop lifestyle person, you know, the work at home person that is kind of their target audience. And I thought it was fascinating so much so that I almost joined to test it out for a month. Um, but I guess one of the ways to, I guess one of the things that you should do as a business owner, uh, or, you know, someone working on a side hustle or whatever it is, is, really find your people, find your tribe, uh, find those people who are going to hold your feet to the fire. Uh, You know, whether it's a family member or a good friend or, you know, fellow entrepreneurs or fellow business owners, uh, you know, that is, that is one of the really powerful things uh, of networking with other people is you're going to find those people who you click with and who will give you that, you know, smack on the back of the head when you need it and say, Hey, you need to focus uh, or, you know, will actually give you a hard time when you don't meet that self-imposed deadline. Uh, and I think it's I think it's a lot more important for people, even type A people who get things done uh, to actually have this kind of um, reinforcement or motivation. So absolutely. That's uh, essentially it sounds like you're talking about something similar to the Hawthorne effect, which is another Mm -hmm. thing that I recently read about. Um, That's the phenomenon where uh, participants in studies in this, this Hawthorne was the company that ran the study, but participants altered their behavior as a result of being observed and they knew they were observed. Um, And I actually, I heard uh, Neville Medora talked about uh, something similar where he has co-working sessions and he said when he has these people over, 
they're all working on their own projects. They're not collaborating on anything, but he says he makes sure to have somebody sit on the same side of the table as him so they can see his screen. And, and when he, and because he knows that they can see his screen, he doesn't go onto Reddit or Facebook and he, he finds himself far more productive because he knows he's being watched. So there, that, there's something to that for sure. There is something to that there. And for any of those of you out there listening, there is probably a service that could be started for Amazon sellers to keep them on task. Uh, that would probably do well because it's very easy to to go spend a lot of time in Facebook groups, in Discord communities, uh, you know, rather than, you know, sourcing or, uh, you know, dialing wholesalers or distributors. Uh, it, it's so easy of a whole. Um, and, <laughs> well, funny, funny story on that uh-huh. just happened today. Just, you know, not to I probably should put it out in public how much of a hypocrite I am, but I'm sitting here. And I'm back from vacation, right? So I, I feel like I've got a whole bunch of stuff to do and I got to get back to feeding the beast, like we talked about. And so I'm sitting here trying to buy stuff and, you know, just <laughs> trying to buy stuff, right? That's the key word. And so I, I hear, I look out the window and my dad's stopping by. And he thinks that now that I've quit my corporate job and, and I work for myself, that he can take up as much of my time as, as he wants. So, uh, you know, he doesn't call anymore. He stops and, and has hour long conversations. And, and Absolutely. So, so he stops. And so I'm sitting here and I, you know, I roll my eyes like, oh, I don't have time for this. And then I look down and my phone is in my hand and I'm scrolling Facebook. Like I'm literally like, oh, I don't have time for this, dad. You know, and, and I'm just goofing off, you know, like I'm not even I don't even realize you get the time that I'm wasting. So. Yeah, there's something to be said about uh, helping to get focused, even and oh, even absolutely. if it's uh, uh, an accountability partner, you know, mm-hmm. or a mastermind, like I mentioned. Um, you know, I think Amazon sellers are a little bit too private. You know, we're, we're you know, we're, we're too afraid to, you know, oh, they're going to find my store name and they're going to steal all of my profitable product products. And but I, I find talking to other sellers and networking in general has been far more productive and and I'd, I'd be hard pressed to name a negative effect that it's had on my business personally. The, the ROI on networking and, and networking done properly. And, and maybe this is an episode for the future about how you actually network properly, especially in a, in a digital age where you can't just go uh, kissing babies and, and glad handed folks. Um, but the ROI on networking for me in my business, in my life, and in the ability to soak up knowledge from other people has been, I don't know, it, it's, it's got to be an infinite ROI uh, or, or somewhere close to it because the things that I have learned, the, the people that I've been able to meet, uh, the people who have offered help or uh you know, counsel or an idea um, have been astounding. And if you're willing to do that for other people, uh, the what you'll see in a return is going to be absolutely massive. Totally. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see here. What uh, I guess I guess one of the things that we should maybe talk about a little bit is. <clears throat> 
don't know. I really like the Sheryl Sandberg quote, done is better than perfect. And so for those of you who are out there, you may not know this, but not only do we sell on Amazon, but you know, I've also had my hand in creating a couple of very simple software products. Uh, and done is better than perfect kind of hit me as a quote at, at the right time. And it was when I was creating my first software product that was actually going to be like released to people that, that I know, and that, you know, I was worried about getting judged by, uh, and I could have waited until everything was absolutely perfect, but that really would have been never. Because even now, I know that there are things that I could make better about the software, even though it's six or seven years old. Uh, and so someone finally said, listen, you know, it is time to launch this thing. Done is better than perfect. And they were right. Uh, you know, it, it kind of launched a, a new phase of, of my life and what I was doing by launching this very simple software before it was what I felt polished and really ready for the public to see. And so I would urge anybody who is either getting ready to start a business or uh, maybe just getting started is realize that done is better than perfect. Uh, you know, if, if your first box to Amazon is only half full, uh, at least it's out the door and the ability to sell those products is going to happen. If, you know, they sit in, you know, your spare bedroom or your garage or uh, your dining room table, which is where I kept, uh, kept my inventory when I first got started selling on Amazon so that I would have to look at it when I came in the front door and not leave it for too long. Uh, it doesn't make any money there. It doesn't teach you the process of creating a shipment to Amazon by leaving it on that table. Uh, and so I would figure out how to be okay with done being better than perfect uh, because it can be difficult, you know, for anybody who is a perfectionist or has analysis paralysis. Uh, did you ever have that issue when you were getting started and what did you do to overcome that? Well, I, I would argue that I'm, I'm still trying to overcome it. Um, mm -hmm. it it's, it's strange that I love this topic as much as I do when I consider how much I need to take my own advice and, and take the advice of, of just taking action. I can't tell you how many times that, that I put something off. And once you get started on whatever project you've been putting off, nine, 99 times out of 100, if not 100 out of 100 times, it's far easier than you made it out to be in your head. Um, and I can't tell you how many times, cause I, I have some websites and, and I do a little bit of writing, um, for some other projects that I have. And I can't tell you how many times it's been far too late at night and I still haven't started writing. But then once I finally, whatever I've done to finally get going and I actually get my fingers on the keyboard, the work just starts flowing and I actually end up getting in a groove and I start producing more than I, I thought I would, you know, because it, of course in my head, I'm like, well, you know, just do, do a few hundred words tonight and, and let's try to do that a couple times a week and build it up from there. But then once I get going, I'm churning out a thousand, 2000 words and it's getting far too late. And, and, you know, but 
I could sleep till 10 a.m. like I mentioned before, so it's not that big a deal. But but it perpetuates this cycle where I'm I'm up far too late. And um, but if I had just gotten started, th there's proof all the time. You know, I, I I have a hard time getting over that obstacle, even though I know there there's something that I put off, waited too long to start, and I've seen the evidence of how easy it is and how how good it feels to get in a groove like that and actually be productive. Um, it, it's, it's hard for me to, to, to get over. I, I still struggle with it, you know, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. Yeah, ab absolutely. It's, it can be absolutely one of the most difficult things to, to overcome. Uh, yeah, we've talked a lot about, you know, different, different reasons why we might not get started, but maybe we ought to, we ought to wind down the show with, uh, I guess what we could call this just the tips. Uh, and what are some tips that, you know, you could, you would give to someone uh, who needs to get over some of the, these fear of failures out of their comfort zone, fear of success, uh, all those, you know, analysis paralysis, all those things that keep us from taking that step into business or maybe that next step in our business? You know, I think the first one is, is similar to, to what I just talked about is, is simply just show up. Just mm -hmm. get your fingers on the keyboard or, you know, just get your hands on uh, the first cardboard box that you're going to start filling up, you know, just tape it shut and set it in the middle of the room, you know, just get started. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of maybe an oversimplification considering our title is, is take action, but that's really the key is just do something, you know, and similar to the Sandberg quote uh, is 1% beat 0%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's and and there's that might be a whole topic itself. The the one percent better. I know you and you and Nate um, had talked about that. Um, yeah, where where a series of one percent improvements on a regular basis uh, lead to you know enormous results eventually mm -hmm. on a longer timeline. Um, it, it the key is to just force yourself to get started. That that truly is the biggest obstacle that I find. So I would say just show up, just force yourself to just do a little something, even if, um, you know, there's a, a, a lot of quotes, it's actually, uh, there's a, a group and it's people, a family member of mine deals with a disability and they share quotes that I actually kind of cross over. And it's, there was something along the lines. It's, it's 1% beat 0%, but in a, in a different way, it said, you know, if you can't, if you can't do the dishes, do one dish. Mm -hmm. If you can't clean your room, clean a corner of it. You know, it's a series of quotes like that. And they said, just doing a little bit, do what you can when you can, essentially, you know, and, and, and that's, that's kind of what we're talking about is we, we can do this stuff. We just have to get over a, a more of a mental obstacle, um, but essentially just get it started and you'll end up doing what you can when you can. Absolutely. Uh, one of the, one of the other tips is, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Uh, I came across, and listen, you guys are going to hear a ton of quotes uh, throughout this podcast because that's, that's just what what we do. It's my quotes are my love language. Um, but I, I came across a quote the other day. It was just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're failing. Uh, and I think people confuse that sometimes. People confuse the struggle uh, with failing, and it's it's not the case. Uh, every business owner, every business has a season of, of struggling, 
uh, you know, whether it's, you know, on the front end, you know, learning how to uh, get started, learning what works, learning what doesn't work. Uh, and, and it seems like sometimes that uh, those things that don't work, they seem to butt up against each other quite often. Uh, I, I'll, I'll do one thing that works and then I'm going to do six of them that don't work. Uh, and then, you know, number seven might work again. Uh, and it can feel like I'm just, I'm screwing up and I'm, I'm failing. Uh, but really, if you can reframe those into lessons, you know, okay, well, this works, uh, this doesn't, you know, this failed and, and X failed and Y failed. Okay, well, now I know going forward, I shouldn't do those things again. Uh, and those mistakes can be can be absolutely huge. Now, that learning curve, which a lot of people have to do on their own, can be shortcutted again by being in a master bind, by having an accountability partner, by uh, taking advice from people who are one chapter ahead of you or two chapters ahead of you uh, in in their business and their goals. Uh, but don't be afraid to make mistakes. It's it will be absolutely one of the best things that you can do. Uh, and it's really part of the human condition. You're always going to be making mistakes. So as long as you treat them as a, uh, a lesson to be learned rather than a failure, uh, you'll be better for it in the long run. Absolutely. And it goes back to your point about Amazon lets you take small bets at a time. You know, so considering that, what's the worst that can happen? You know, unless you're putting in a, a huge order from from China on a private label, you know, and really taking a gamble, which, you know, maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's what you want to do. But, you know, this side of it, the arbitrage side of it and, and even wholesale, what's the worst that can happen if you call a wholesaler? They mm -hmm. might say no. That, that's it. Yeah. You know, they're not going to put your poster up on the wall and, and say, hey, watch out for this guy. He had the nerve to ask us to do business with him. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's really it's not as bad as, as we're making it out to be in our heads. Exactly. Uh, what I want to I want to let you choose the the quote to end this week on. I think I chose last week, so I want to let you uh, pick this week's quote of the week. Oh, that is such pressure. I know such pressure. I, I was hoping that we would just end the show with like a rapid fire of just like 100 or 200 quotes because there, oh, there's man. so many on this topic, um, <laughs> which is evidence of why it's, it's so important. You know, I, there's probably so many quotes because so many people struggle uh, with this, but, uh, you know, I'd have to go with, cause I don't want to be overly general. Cause you could go with the, the Winston Churchill perfection is the enemy of progress. Mm -hmm. sure that's kind of the, the, the cornerstone one that, that I go with. Um, I was unfamiliar doing research on this, uh, the, the Picasso quote, Action is the foundational key to all success. That's, oh, that's a really good one. It's pretty profound coming from uh, from Picasso. I didn't realize yeah. he was he was that deep. Um, you know, and, and that's a good one because you know, in, in order to get anything done, you have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, dreams and hopes. You know, they uh, they don't get you the success. You know, mm -hmm. and it's ultimately it's the processes. You know, back to back to James clear and, and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I, I, th I think we need to, we need to sum the episode up with, with pro possibly the greatest quote ever. Um, 
is uh you know you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take which of course is michael scott michael scott from the office absolutely a a uh a wise wise man uh you know i i do want to go back to that pablo picasso quote that is that is somewhat profound uh action is the the foundational key to all success i don't know Maybe it sounds a little woo-woo, uh, you know, if uh, if people haven't listened to us for, for very long. But uh, I don't know. It, action really is the bedrock. I, I'll, I will channel my inner Gary Vee for a moment. But we do need to kind of have that, that whole clouds and dirt mentality. And I, I, lo- I love the way that he talks about it. we do need to have goals and aspirations and dreams and uh, thoughts about where we want to be in the future. And those are great. It's great to have our head in the clouds. However, if we're not willing to put our hands in the dirt, uh, to break up a little bit of soil, to, uh, you know, come across a a stumbling block every now and again, uh, we're never going to to make those dreams, those goals work. Uh, And so, I really, really like. I really like that quote, uh, and I think we need to have a little bit more of a of a dirt mentality. Being willing to get our hands dirty, roll up our sleeves, put in a little elbow grease, and whatever other cliches I could come up with, uh, you know, and actually put in some time, uh, you know, behind the desk or you know, in a store or wherever that may be. So that was a that was a great pick for this week, Chris. Yeah, and it's it's true, you know, the because we, like we said, you, you wear all the hats, including mm-hmm. the grunt work. You know, they will never, never have you ever in the years that I've been listening to your content, um, and you'll never hear me say it that this is easy. You know, mm-hmm. that there's there's work to be put in. You know, it's not, you know, it's not soul sucking work. You know, I, I find it very rewarding, but it is work. Don't don't be yeah. fooled. You know, and that's. Uh, I, I would venture to guess that that Chris Anderson would would kind of make that point when he said Tim Ferriss ruined the world with his four hour work week. Um, but let's be honest, Tim Ferriss is working a lot more than four hours per per week. You know, I, yeah, that wasn't the point of the book. <laughs> I, I listened to a I listened to a great interview of Tim Ferriss, and uh, that title uh, that title was chosen based on tests. There were twelve titles in in total that he had written for the book and the four hour work week was the one that had the best click through rate in a, in Google ads. Uh, and so he put in the work there to figure out the title. Uh, and, and I also think people just read the title and they haven't read the inside because uh, anybody who's read the inside of it, I think, I think knows that a four hour work week wasn't really what he was looking for. Uh, <laughs> right. you know, but it is, it is a good book if you haven't picked that up yet. Um, and if if people are just listening, you 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 touched on it before, but if people are just tuning into us, there will be woo woo. Like, there's no getting around it. Like, yeah. I I love the woo woo. Um, whether you I, and I'm sorry, you know, you can you can fast forward through this part of the episode, but there will be woo woo. <laughs> yeah. But it, but to, you know, to make a serious point about it, you know, there's these quotes. There's something to to take from it. And, mm-hmm. and I always find that there's there's wisdom in it, regardless of how it sounds. You know, I think it it becomes cliche because it's thrown around by people that aren't really 
trying to, to take the core message from it and, and apply it to their lives, which, which is what we do. We did, you know, how much woo woo was there in our, our uh, book club? You know, it was just, it was overlapping woo woo, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Polgar sisters and, and, you know, the Fosbury flop just over and over <laughs> again. And, uh, you know, <laughs> but there's a lesson behind it, you know, and, and if you can kind of strip, strip away the cliched uh, top layer, uh, you know, there, there's wisdom there. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys, that is the episode for this week. We'll be back next Tuesday. Appreciate you guys listening. Please do us a huge solid. And wherever you might be listening to this, YouTube, uh, whatever your favorite podcast player is, uh, hit the like and subscribe button. Leave us a review if you've gotten something out of this. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, And we'll keep bringing you more content to help you in your Amazon business. Uh, And uh, thanks so much for being here, guys. And thanks, Chris, for... uh, hanging out with me another week. I'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Clear the Shelf with Chris and Chris. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot on your phone and share to Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite FBA group. And be sure to tag me and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear more from us in the future. Also, I'd like to give you some free gifts for listening. Head over to rabbittrailchallenge.com and repricerchallenge.com for some free courses to further your business. Thanks for listening.